Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. This past Tuesday, the NFL had its trade deadline. Some deals were small. Some were big. Some were good. But you have to wait until next year to really judge if it's good or not. So let's get into it. The team that was probably most active, in my opinion, um, well, one of the teams, because they're not the only team that made two trades. But the Dolphins. The Dolphins made two trades that well, were, were in where they are looking to not just upgrade their roster, but uh, looking for a chance and opportunity to be one of the best teams at the end of the season facing either the Bills, the Chiefs, or another team in the AFC Conference. Small trade that they made was they got Jeff Wilson, a former starter of the 49 or the 40, San Francisco 49ers, to uh, acquired him. Mike McDonald knows who he is because he coached him last year. But the trade that they made that's an eye-opener and definitely improves their defense is the trade that they made for Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos. Now, this is an eye-opener because as of right now, when they went into the season, the Dolphins had one of the best wide-receiving uh, duos with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Then they had a great duo in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at the cornerback. Now that they have Chubb, Chubb and, and Phillips are probably one of the best pass-rushing duos in the league. Um, now, there was a percentage I wanted to tell you guys, and I forgot it, but one, Chubb is, in terms of adding pressure, is like third in the league, and in 10th spot was Phillips. But lo and behold, how does a team, I don't think there's any other team out there right now who has three guys, six players, playing a position where the duo is top in the league. I don't think there's any other league that has a guy, guys like like um, Jalen Waddell, Tari Kale, Phillips, Chubb, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones. Let's just be realistic. Also, one thing: Byron Jones hasn't even played yet, which is even crazy. Right now, the Dolphins I think are five and three, but the truth is, if Tua never got hurt, if Jones wasn't there, would they be an undefeated team right now? Because if right now, they look like the most dangerous team. In the NFL, if if they tend if they can stay healthy, and Mike McDonald, let's be realistic. Mike McDonald is starting his rookie season as head coach of the Miami Dolphins, on the brink of not just even being five hundred in his rookie season, not just being a guaranteed spot probably in the playoffs, but the idea that in his first season. He's going into a season being the, the head coach of the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have a great opportunity to be in the Super Bowl. Maybe even maybe even the best shot. But let, let's look at this. And, and I think that that's, that's what makes them so crazy. Because in the offseason, in the AFC, they were one of the teams that got our attention with the offseason moves they made. Now, like the Eagles, they made eye-popping moves during the season that says, okay, this team's all in right now. And let's see what happens. So a team that made two, three trades within the last two weeks is the Chicago Bears. They traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles. They traded Quinn Smith to the Ravens. And then they acquired 
Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers, which is crazy. In one sense, they weakened their defense by trading Smith and Quinn away. But at the same time, by adding Claypool, they upgraded the receiving core. So it's a kind of like weird thing. Like, how do you look at this? Is, is this, was Quinn and and Trading Smith just a move to add uh, draft capital, add potential salary cap, and stay in rebuild mode? I mean, this team's three and five, which is not bad, considering that they're very close, which mean well, not very close, but which puts them at this point of this season a team still fighting for a spot in the playoffs because the team third team with the wild card spot which is the 49ers are at four and four and the Chicago Bears are at three and five that's not a significant uh space between the last place team the wild card spot and and the Bears so I don't know why they made this move but it's interesting to see how this plays out for the uh, remainder of the season so a division trade happened, which was which is kind of crazy. I mean, I don't understand why teams would do this. Trade one of your best players within the division. Maybe it's the, you know, the best option for you or whatever. But, I mean, man, ladies and gentlemen, I don't understand why the Detroit Lions would trade its starting tight end, who's a Pro Bowl top tight end in the league and who's having a great season, to a division rival who now, with this trade, is locked to win this division because the Packers did not make a trade and no one looks as good as they do currently right now. So, congrats to the Vikings for having Jefferson and, uh, and David uh, and having Cook and others on the team adding a tight end, Huckerson. Hopefully, I'm saying his name right, Huckerson, TJ Huckerson. Um, this makes them a lock to winning the uh, winning the NFC North. Um, in terms of going to the NFC Championship, I wouldn't put them there just because the defense is not uh, great. But as of right now, they did improve the offense, which could be enough to help them go deep into the playoffs. We'll see what happens. And the Falcons made a trade. Now, the Falcons made this trade in where, well, they made two trades. But the trade that was kind of that was probably interesting in itself was they traded Calvin, Calvin Ridley, who got suspended before the season started for betting for a betting situation that he had last season. So he was suspended for a full season, and they tra tra traded Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now this is a, a crazy trade because he's out; he's not going to help the Jaguars win at all this season, but. Next season, if he comes back and if he if he's in shape and if a full season didn't hurt him as a talent, it'll be interesting to see what he could do for the Jaguars, what he could do for Lawrence, and how this works out. Because as of right now, you kind of have to put this trade in the, in the grade that you want to attach to it as incomplete because we're not going to see Ridley until next year. So that's an interesting trade uh, during the trade deadline. Now the shocker that 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 happened was that a few teams needed to make a trade. A few teams have lost players. A few teams just needed guys because certain players are injured, and it is shown that they need an update. 
The Rams needed an update on their offensive line. Their offensive line has not looked as good as it has in the past. The Packers, who lost Devontae Adams this past offseason, receiving core looks horrible. So they were one of those teams that needed to make a trade, and they didn't. So the Packers made no trades. And they were so-called supposed to be aggressive before the trade deadline, before the trade deadline was done, trying to make a move. But man, how does this how how does Aaron Rodgers feel now? He came back, he made it seem like he was gonna retire, and he was gone. How does he feel now? Because right now they have to be innovators and change things around and look like a different offense, being that they don't have a good receiving core, or they can continuously be a heavy passing team and fail. Because they do have the defense that can help keep them in games. But if the their offense doesn't play elite, they will not be a team going back to the playoffs. You know, the Packers, since Aaron Rodgers has been around, it, it seems like they always made good wide receiving decisions in terms of who they drafted. They had guys like Greg Jennings. They had Jordy Nelson. Ronald Cobb was good. good um, and Devontae Adams. All these guys were good, but all these guys are gone except for Cobb. But Cobb is also in, in the end of part of his uh, career, so to speak, because in the NFL, let's be real. Once you get in your 30s, you either have another five, three to five years left in your uh, in the tank or you'll be done before 35 years old and retiring. But right now, the Packers look like they're destined to not make the playoffs. The receiving core looks horrible. It doesn't help keep them in games, even though the previous game that they just had with the with the Bills looked okay. The uh, Dylan and Jones looked amazing, like an amazing duo that they everyone thought they would be this whole season. But the receiving core has been a letdown, and probably most likely will keep this Packers team out of the playoffs rather than in. Now the question is, would Odell sign here? Would Odell look at Aaron Rodgers and say, and salivate at the opportunity and chance to? To sign with him. I mean, sign with the Green Bay Packers and, and be with them. Now, supposedly, there's a rumor out there saying that he will be back later toward, uh, later on the season. But what he wants is to sign a two-year contract, which is kind of crazy because a guy who's had two significant knee injuries within the last three seasons, who would really give him that big of a contract or two-year contract at all? Why not just compete Go to a team where you can compete for a playoff spot, prove that you're healthy, and then next season sign the large contract that you want. But it'll be interesting to see where Odell goes because he's going to be the guy towards the end of the season once he is healthy and signs with a team. In terms, of, And listen, let's be realistic. Odell doesn't just need to be in a contending team. He needs to be in an offense that lets him shine. He went to Cleveland, and Cleveland just wasn't the place for him. He didn't look like himself, and once he went to the Rams, he looked a lot better. So we'll see what happens with Odell within the next month or so. If he goes to a team like Green Bay, does he go back to New York? Does he go to the Cowboys and help the Cowboys not just make the playoffs, but make a Super Bowl run? So let's be realistic. It has been an interesting eight weeks so far. All of the AFC West teams that I thought were going to be at least 500 or better are not. 
At least eight of the teams that made the playoffs last season are, if the season had ended right now, are not in the playoffs, which I don't even know if that's ever happened in the past, where multiple teams that had made the playoffs the previous season were not um, were not in contending or in the spot to win, be in the playoffs this upcoming season, if the season had ended. And who are the Cinderella teams? Well, if the season ended right now, my opinion, the Cinderella teams are the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Jets. The Seahawks and the Falcons are in first place. Uh, no one predicted that, predicted that to happen after eight weeks. I don't even think anyone had the Falcons at 500 at all, but yet they are. And the Seahawks look like the best team, even though the Rams or the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl champion teams, they're not first place. The Cardinals don't look as good as they do last year. And the 49ers look mediocre at best right now. You could say whatever you want to say about the defense, about the the, the trade for Christian McCaffrey. The idea that they're 4-4 four and four after eight weeks and having the defense that they have and the team that they have, it kind of looks like they're not a team that could be competing in the NFC uh, NFC uh, Conference Championship or even going to the Super Bowl. But it's interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, after eight weeks, this is how the season looks out. Now, we have 10 more weeks to go. Which team who's playing great right now will lose momentum? Because it always happens. There's always a team that plays good in the beginning of the season and something happens along the way where they don't look great anymore. So they lose momentum. Which team makes adjustments? There's always a, a one team or a couple teams who make adjustments who look much better towards the end of the season than they did at the beginning, which even leads them to the playoffs. Which team is that? You know, which team is that? It's just crazy to see what happens. Who is going to beat the Eagles? The Eagles uh, run, uh, run defense looked worse this past week without Davis protecting, the, being the run stuffer up the middle. So what happens? Is there a team right now that, lose, that loses multiple players and because of the injuries that they sustained made them uh, potentially stop their momentum and stopping them from making the playoffs? And are they going to be one of those teams that right now that should be better, but because of injuries, they're not? So it's interesting to see what's going to happen in the next 10 weeks. Who is going to you know, all the Eagles, all the Chiefs, all the Dolphins and Bills, the team to team, the teams to beat? Or will it be another team that will rise from the grave and be the best team towards the end of the season? Let's see. So, ladies and gentlemen, the NBA season has started. About 10 games or more has been played by multiple NBA teams. But the team that seems to keep on gravitating all the attention in terms of the Eastern Conference it's the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons looks rusty. Um, Durant, it, it, Durant is the only one showing up. Kyrie Irving now has an issue, and they fired Steve Nash. Now Steve Nash got fired earlier this week after starting two and four, um, two and five. Emi Odoka, whatever how you say his name, the Boston Celtics suspended head coach that led them to the. NBA championship is now the new head coach. The one people are wondering: Can Yudoka uh, savage this defense that's ranked 29th in the league? 
can can this can he turn things around and make this team that's supposed to be a top five team top five team in the Eastern Conference? Can he be that guy? Will Ben Simmons lose the rustiness that he has for not playing to see for not playing in the league for more than a year? And the end of the day, here's the last question: Kyrie Irving. You, just when you think that he's hungry, just when you think he's focused, just when you think you know he wants to turn things around, he wants this fourth season to be the most special season that he can have for the Brooklyn Nets and show them what they've been, what the fans have been wanting to see, and what and improve to the league. This is what Durant and Irving can do together as a duo. Just when you thought he was hungry to do to show you something great this season, he recently attached his name in, pro- in promoting a movie that was anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic. In the wake of how Kanye West has all this drama surrounding him with the, all his anti-Semitic rants that he's had on podcasts and other social media outlets, now Kyrie Irving has. Now Kyrie Irving's been apologetic. Kyrie Irving, first apology didn't look great. He looked more defensive than humble and apologetic. Which is like, wait a minute, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you want us to forgive you, if you want us to have grace and mercy for your actions and for your statements, you don't be defensive. Because he seemed defensive in his first public, um, his first public, his first public um, apology, but he, now he get and then he got suspended for five games. Nike has detached itself from him and suspended a relationship that they have for him. At first, he looked like he was going to get suspended for five games. Now the Nets have put a multiple task of th- multiple things that Kyrie Irving is supposed to do. Before he can even rejoin the team. So what does he have to do, ladies and gentlemen? Well, first, let's be what does he have to do? He has to apologize, which he did. He has to show that he doesn't condone anti-Semitic uh the, and that he doesn't condone what the anti-Semitic movie was was um portraying or showing. He has to make a donation of five hundred thousand dollars to anti-hate causes. He has to take sensitivity training. He has to take anti-Semitic training. He has to meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. And finally, and lastly, he has to go to the Nets owner and show what he's learned and demonstrate that he has learned his lesson. Isn't that crazy? Just when you thought that, man, this guy is, is determined, he's done something else that could potentially make him miss not just those five suspended games that he already had on his plate, potentially even more games. I mean, is he trying not to play basketball anymore? What is Kyrie Irving trying to do? Because I'm just curious, what is he trying to do? Four seasons with the Nets, and every season there's something that takes him out of the season for multiple games. And now he's out of this, he's not playing, not because he's injured, because of a statements he made and because of the action he's did. Just like last season. You know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I know everybody has a various different beliefs on the vaccine. But ladies and gentlemen, the idea that it stopped him from playing, that he wasn't trying to work with the league, it was it was bad. But he should have been able to play, especially in that, that multiple, 
he he should have been able to play, but him not playing hurt the team. And this was supposed to be the season where him and Durant stay healthy for at least 60 games and do something special in the league, and they did not do that. So, again, for fourth fourth season, Kyrie Irving will miss multiple games. Again, Brooklyn Nets fans will be um, angry and sad. And New York Knicks fans are happy because, before, like I said before in past podcasts, all us New York Knicks fans thought that Irving and Durant were going to go. Guys like Stephen A. Smith went on first take in other outlets and said, oh, he's going. they're going to the Knicks. They're going to the Knicks. And then just like LeBron James with his speech in New York before announcing that he was going to Miami, made fans in from the New York, the New York Knicks fans thinking that he was enjoying by making a speech in New York. And then he went to Miami. Everyone thought prior to Durant and Irving signing with the Nets that they were going to go to the Knicks. And it did not happen. Now, four seasons of disappointment. Four seasons of these guys not playing 50 to 60 games together in the past four seasons. And now again, another issue is arising where Irving will not be playing games due to his actions, ladies and gentlemen. So this season so far in the NBA is kind of crazy. The Golden State Warriors, your NBA champions, cannot win away from Golden State. They're 0-6. The Heat do not look like a team that was in, who had the first seed in the Eastern Conference last year. Their 32.5 uh, star, Tyler Hero, like I said in the past, and I'll say it again, he's getting, he's getting $32.5 million, and he cannot help this team be in the playoffs right now. As of right now, if the playoffs was to start, the Miami Heat would be out of the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. And the Hornets, another team that made the playoffs last year, look like they're missing bridges and uh, ball on the team. So this is a crazy season to start so far where multiple teams that made the playoffs last year don't look so great and are struggling at this moment. But again, it's still over 70 games left to the season so anything can change. Anything could happen. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers are 7-1. and one. They are on a seven-game win streak. Some would say the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team because they're undefeated so far in this young season. But I look at the, the, the point differential that Cleveland has, which is the best in the league, and I look at that and I say, no, Cleveland's the best team because they're playing good offense and they're playing good defense. On top of that, Donovan Mitchell is playing at another level. He's always played great for the Utah Jazz, but for some reason his efficiency looks so much better right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers that even he looks better. As of right now, in my opinion, he is the MVP in the NBA because he's just taken... We never seen him as efficient as he is right now. You see him different parts of the game be very efficient and then be very cold. But the idea that he looks more efficient makes me say that he's an MVP caliber right now. Off to the MB uh, uh, Major League Baseball, ladies and gentlemen. So MLB season is officially over. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a World Series champion. Some of you may not like this team winning the Super Bowl uh winning the World Series 
the Houston Astros are the, are the 2022 Major League Baseball champions, World Series champions. No one likes them because a couple of years ago they had the whole cheating scandal attached to them. But the reason why I'm happy that Houston won, not for the city, not for the team, but for the manager. Dusty Baker is 73 years old. He has won over 2,093 wins. He's won the manager of the year three times in a row. And at 73, ladies and gentlemen, he can retire properly. He has nothing else to prove. He has done everything that a manager, Hall of Fame manager, is supposed to do. All he could do right now is retire now. So he has a great opportunity great opportunity to have a speech in the Hall of Fame. Because you don't go into the Hall of Fame right after retirement. You have to wait a certain amount of years before they can vote you in. But he definitely should be a first ballot Hall of Fame manager, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Congrats to him. A guy who's been to the World Series multiple times and lost. I mean, a couple times and lost. The idea that now, at 73, he could retire with that is amazing. You know, I wasn't going to root for the Phillies because I'm a Mets fan. So, congrats to the Astros. They have, they have proven that they have drafted and developed young stars. They show that you don't need to spend a lot of money to to be a, a great team. They show that, like the Dodgers in some ways, developing your own players and analytics and all the other stuff that they're using to, to make themselves better is the way to go. And Mattress Mac, this 70-plus-year-old man from Houston, made a bet. And ladies and gentlemen, he has won the most money out of any sports bet ever at $75 million. Crazy. Let's talk about wrestling. So Crown Jewel happened yesterday in Saudi Arabia. Supposedly, before um, Crown Jewel had started, there was some uh, things happening where maybe it was potential that it wasn't going to happen, but Crown Jewel did happen. Roman Reigns and Logan Paul had an incredible match. It was so great that Logan Paul has sustained multiple injuries on his leg. Jay Uso uh, had a wrestling match with an injured or fractured or broken wrist. Leslie and Brock didn't end great, but then if you watch the match, you understand why. This is the not they weren't trying to end. Uh, Brock and Lashley with this match in the crown jewel. I think it was to be continued. Uh, to can be continued in the sense that Lashley is dominating all the match and then something happens yet again where he can't defeat Brock Brock uh Brock Lesnar. So that feud will continue. We'll see if it continues with one of them potentially getting the championship and facing each other. I don't know. But Lashley did look great. Brock looked like he was, you know, this is probably the first match that you probably see Brock not dominating the whole match, not even half the match, and still win. That's one of Brock Lesnar's, like, MO since he's come back to the WWE where he's always dominating the majority of the match. His opponents sometimes have some um, ways of dominating or having a, um, having a good match with him. But he always dominates, so it's it's shocking that that this match ended the way I mean happened the way it did. But there will be a Brock Lesnar, Lashley um, match one more time. When maybe the Royal Rumble, maybe WrestleMania, who knows? 
Malmas and Braun Strowman. Two monsters that are over 68, uh, over six feet eight inches. Omas is seven three, while Braun Strowman is around six eight. Between the both of them, it's between seven and eight hundred pounds. And it was just two huge men fighting each other, two giants. I don't know if there've ever been two giants like them that that had a great match who could be as mobile as them. But it was a good match in Saudi Arabia. Um. Actually, I'm shocked that the match, the, the ring didn't even break. That's one of the things that WWE likes to do with two big wrestlers in the thing. You know, when, when the big show was slammed in the ring with Braun Strowman and others, the ring broke and collapsed. Would that have been great for Scrondrel? Yes, but they probably didn't want it to stop or prolong the event because it broke. In terms of AEW, Alistair Black looks like he's coming back to AEW. As a, rumors were out there that maybe he was leaving, and that if he was leaving, he had, there was rumors even stating that he would have to wait six months or more before he'd be able to sign with any team. But so far, it appears and looks like he'll be coming back to AEW when I don't know, but he's given indication that he is coming back. Jeff Jarrett showed up this past week on Dynamite, hitting on Darby Allen on the head with a guitar. The Young Bucks and Omega could be back soon from the suspension. We'll see what happens. And we'll see what happens with, with, with AEW. AEW, I, you know, listen. I think the cynical part of me has been, has been neglecting AEW because of what happened with CM Punk. You know, I hope it doesn't go down the drain. But, and they're trying something different. Let me give them congrats on something. They tried something different this past week where... Dynamite and Rampage, I think, were not in the same city, which is very different from what AEW has done in the past. Where every show, where every city that Dynamite was in, it was also the same city as Rampage. And then they connect and then make it even worse, not worse, but what made that situation bad was it happened the same night. So Rampage always had leaks in terms of what happened, who to suspect was going to come out. And more. So congrats to them on trying that out. You know, maybe they didn't see the void, the viewership that they wanted. But let's see what happens in the future. Anyway, that's my episode. Remember to subscribe to the Truth and Reality Podcast on any podcast apps. So that you could be notified when a new episode will be available. Remember to follow me on all social media platforms. So you could see my little bootleg um, promotion of the new episode. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day and even better night.